Navigation ship. Navigation ship. Navigating the trials and tribulations of race, dating, travel, trauma, and healing as young conscious black women. Hey, it's Ashley. Hey, it's Stephanie. And today we're talking with Ashley about her work in the spiritual wellness space. So this is a two-part series. Today we're speaking with Ashley. And in our next episode, we'll be focusing in on myself. (laughs) Before we do that, let's check in. Um, How are you doing, Ashley? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm sort of thinking of my long-term plans right now because there's been some odd behavior um, that I've seen at certain (laughs) events that I've gone to. Um, that we'll talk about in depth later, I'm sure. Um, that's like performative wellness. And so I think I'll be here a short time in Tulum, not a long time. But yeah. Yeah, from what you told me, it sounds very disturbing and well done definitely for coping within those sort of conditions. Um, but on, on my side, um, it's been quite nice. It's been a good week. Um, I made it out to see my grandma, which has been really, really nice. I mean, in the sense that we haven't had the chance to see her due to COVID for about a year or so now. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was nice to see her, but also it was very, you know, hard to know that she's been in isolation and seeing us has been, you know, it lifted her spirits a lot, but you know, it must be very depressing to yeah. stay in the same space uh, for such a long time. So yeah, it was nice to see her definitely. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard as well at the same time. But anyway, so enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into <laughs> our, our focus of this episode, which is you, you on the spotlight. Um, so to break us in, something that I don't know the answer to, tell us um, what was your first ever job and did you love it? And what did you love about it? And what did you hate about it? Yeah, so my first ever job was at Starbucks when I was 16. And um, it was a great job because I was making over minimum wage, which $8 an hour is a lot for a 16 year old that has no wants and needs besides clothes. Um, (laughs) And the worst thing though, I was working with some bitchy, like 20 somethings, maybe they were like 19, 20, but um, they were all like quite grown and they were quite bitchy to me, even though I was like an awkward teen. So mm-hmm. now I'm just like, that's really sad for them, but you know, it wasn't fun at the time. Yeah, definitely. That sounds horrible. Um, really terrible for like, for you to have to experience that at the age of 16. I mean, when you were very vulnerable, um, but on the other side of the role, I mean, I never knew you worked at Starbucks, actually. (laughs) I feel like I would have liked to (laughs) utilize those skills um, for some drinks for us. But anyway, um, (laughs) tell us a bit more about the field that you're navigating within now. So I'm um, an intuitive tarot reader and um, a content writer. um, And I just started working in tarot again because I was doing tarot readings for people last year, but now, but that ended quite horribly because I was giving a lot of my energy to people who uh, were like energy vampires. And I stopped that business for about six months and now I'm doing it again. And it feels really healthy to me um, Mm. in this space. So I'm glad to be starting that back up. Did you think you'll find yourself in this field initially? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us how, how did you get here? Um, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a winding road because when I first was a kid, I was really hyper, like needed security, um, needed to, was a high achiever. So at first I wanted to be a neurosurgeon because uh, neuro mm. I heard they made the most money as doctors. Um, and then I saw all the studying that they had to do. And so I wanted to be a lawyer. I ended up going to law school and I wanted to be a lawyer in England, but then I was interning for some places. And then I was like, I don't really like how lawyers act. (laughs) They're a bit boring. Um, I'm not that type of person. So um, I decided, and also like um, to be a lawyer too, I feel like you only have to focus on one 
field of law. You can't do multiple fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do stuff dealing with different problems every day. So I went into banking um, and I went into compliance specifically. Yeah. And then I worked in banking for five years and it, it was really bad because when I first got into it, I was like, I really don't like this job. It's not like, it, it's not fulfilling to me. It just makes mm. me good money. And it was very secure, but something was missing. And then I loved writing. I've been writing since I was 12. Um, and I decided to start going direction, start working for startups, loved what I was doing, coming up with creative ideas in order to engage different audiences. Mm. Um, the, t- the tarot stuff happened because I started doing tarot for myself five years ago when I was going through a very heavy transitional period. And then um, realized and started doing for other people like my friends and they're like, you have a gift, you know, you should do this for other people and charge. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how that started. So that's very well, for me, of quite a contrast going from banking, law into content and tarot. How did the two fields compare to you? I mean, was there a specific moment in time where you were just like, I'm going to leave banking behind? Or, you know, how did you make that transition? Um, it was a slow process. I think, like, I moved to England. Uh, I moved back to England from Australia and I took a job that I should have never taken. um, And I only took it to get back to England because I had such a terrible time in Australia. Um, And it actually became a blessing in disguise because I realized there's so much stuff about the corporate environment that I don't like. And that's Mm. absolute bullshit. And, and was disheartening to see, let alone the racism that, you know, or the microaggressions, I wouldn't say full-blown racism, but it was definitely a lot of microaggressions. I felt like I was working harder than a lot of people and I wasn't getting half the the acknowledgement. Um, And that really disheartened me. And through that experience, I was thinking, okay, what what next? Because this isn't working. Mm. I applied to, you know, jobs in the banking space and that didn't work out. And I always think, you know, rejection is God's protection. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when I started doing tarot, I had this different feeling. And I usually I'm very intuitive. So I usually follow what my feelings are. And it just felt fulfilling it felt like I was helping people and I didn't feel like I was helping anyone except for rich rich corporates uh, in the banking space so they they don't compare at all um but there's aspects to banking that I liked I like the relationship aspect because I was Mm. a compliance officer for the business um and I feel like I my business is very relationship driven um and I'm a practical spiritualist, um, which comes a lot from the banking side. It's like um, people talk about their feelings specifically in Tulum, all about their feelings, but okay, where is the plan of action? Like, and that's a lot from bank because you need plans and you need execution and you need, you know, it needs to make sense. So I think I get a lot of that. And I honor that experience because I am so practical, but I add the practicality to the spiritual to the spiritual wellness space. Nice. And what does wellness and spirituality mean to you? How do you self-define these these areas? Um, spirituality to me just means thinking of yourself in the bigger picture of the universe. I don't think you necessarily need to believe in a higher power. I particularly believe there is one, um, but I think it's all energy driven. I think wellness is like the recognition that we're all suffering, which is a Buddhist principle to admit it's not mine. It's a Buddhist principle, but it's like, we're all suffering. It's the acknowledgement of our suffering, um, learning why we're suffering and then being able to lead lead a path towards Nirvana. Um, And yeah, like I, I truly believe that encompasses the wellness space is taking personal responsibility in order to get to the place where you can live a happier and healthier life and I think that's really important I mean taking you know that those steps towards a happier and healthier life and I think on that point it leads well into my next question so recently you wrote um, an article um, entitled 
whitewashed and priced out the spiritual wellness space um and within that you speak about the lack of acknowledgement of marginalized experiences within wellness um what issues have you seen with this so i can give you specifics in tulum (laughs) (laughs) um just the other day i mean like it's a much bigger thing than stuff that I'm experiencing here, but it's like the lack of awareness for me. Um, I think the spiritual wellness space is a very well-off valued, high valued industry. And um, because of that, a lot of capitalism, cultural imperialism, cultural appropriation goes into that. um, Like every other industry in our society. And um, I feel like, I'm seeing a lot of people who are not of certain backgrounds, particularly white healers, teachers, coaches, whatever you want to call themselves. Um, even though healers is a little bit different than teachers or coaches, but I, and they're not a monolith, but it's still in the spiritual wellness space and the wellness space in general, where they co-opt teachings of Buddhism, like I just mentioned, Um, I believe it's four pillars of Buddhism, Um, or they take old Indian principles, uh, like the eight limbs of yoga, and they just practice asana, which is the body practice, instead of practicing the breathing, um, practicing good karma. um, They don't, they don't take that bit, they just, oh, I can do the splits, you know, and post it somewhere. (laughs) And then you have like, (laughs) and then you have like these, you know, here in Tulum, you have these tribal, you know, gatherings. Um, I went to a tribal gathering the other day where it was like, kind of like an ecstatic dance where people were dancing, Mm -hmm. um, but they were taking like drum beats and, and chanting from India and every, and most of the people, I would say 98% of the people were white. And it's like, you're not honoring the teachings, you're just co-opting them for mm. your own. So you can charge, you know, however much at the door, make what you want. And also with the whole priced out thing, it's like these spiritualists are charging a hell of a lot, not offering any of their services to marginalized groups, even though they're stealing the teachings from marginalized groups. Or, you know, it's it's so expensive that, you know, only the middle class, upper class can get opportunities to go to certain events, yoga, uh, retreats or anything like that. So I, I just see like a trend of a lot of sort of particularly white spiritualists, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I think we all kind of can contribute to a capitalistic, cultural, imperialistic view. Mm. Um, stealing older old ancient cultures of colors teachings and um healing principles co-opting that to make a profit um and yeah it's just unfortunate definitely and a specific point in which in the article which really spoke to me in terms of how can we as marginalized as a marginalized group as black women move within this space without having our humanity diminish, you know. Um, I remember when I tried out med- meditation and it acknowledged mm. very surfacey stresses in life without really expanding beyond the one size fits all white experience. How, how can we navigate within these spaces? Um, well, it's interesting. I was talking to a lady last week who's mixed race. She's half um, Chinese, Filipino, I believe, and um, half white. And she said like, some of the black healers that she knows is just like making space for themselves. And I feel like as black women, like myself, I don't see very many black tarot readers, if at all, I don't think I've met any at all. Um, And the way I do tarot is very specific and I'm just doing, I'm just doing it. You know, I'm not asking permission. I'm not, I'm just doing what I'm going to do. And I'm still honoring the fact that like even tarot comes from the artistry comes from a black woman. Um, and like, I'm just honoring that, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm literally just honoring um, that space and taking it because that's, I think that's what we've been doing in any industry is just mm-hmm. kind of being like, well, I don't see a place for me. I'm just going to take a seat at the table. Have you managed to, come across that many people of color 
within this field? No, um, I don't see any, any, well, that's not true. I, I do see some people um, of color um, that are or that are practicing. In fact, mm. I know a healer here who's a person of color. Actually, two. I've already been to two. One's a Mexican American and one's Black American or Black Canadian. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've I've just sort of experienced that here. Um, and more people should get involved. I think because I think it gives like a different perspective. You can't go to a, I'm not saying you cannot because that's wrong, but it's harder to sit down and have and share space um, with someone who has never understood an ancestral trauma where your land, your humanity was stolen. Um, mm. I've gone to a lot of white healers and I'm very lucky that I found white healers that can understand generational trauma and the, specifically the generational trauma that I've gone through mm -hmm. um, and clear a lot of that. But it's, I think we need more black healers because black healers know, you know, that specific trauma, you know, that specific, um, like you're the ancestors of slaves. They understand that. They can be empathetic to that and they can yeah. work on healing that. Um, a little probably easier than a white healer because the white healer doesn't understand that never yeah. came from that so I hope that answers your question I might have been rambling <laughs> no it definitely does answer my question I mean you know there's it's going to be very limited in terms of these spaces I mean if it's coming from a one-size-fits-all perspective um, and yeah. you know coming across people of color within this space um uh, is few and far between um so i mean it's good that you're taking that space yeah. <laughs> basically um yeah, yeah. How, i mean obviously you've moved between different fields and different avenues and different points of focus how do you juggle your own and other people's expectations surrounding your career journey um it was very difficult i think like it it wasn't until very, very recently, and I'm talking about since I've moved to Mexico in the last three weeks that um, I've kind of had to let go of mm. other people's expectations. And I can because I'm here by myself, but um, I think it's hard because I, obviously I grew up in um, a very interesting like parents or first generation, you know, college, degree educated, master degree educated in the family, they have this expectation of a legacy. Mm. Um, and they put, a, they put a lot of pressure on me. I mean, I also put a lot of pressure on me. They, but like, I don't fault them for being like, you know, go after your dreams, very aspirational because, you know, I'm very aspirational. I love that about myself. Mm. But when I started doing tarot and when I started, um, you know, doing my own business with content writing, you know, there was, it's starting to pick up now, but in the last three months, it was very slow and I was living at home and it was stressing me out because my mother, like, I don't know if it was me, it was probably more me than her, but mm. it was the stuff that she says that would be like, oh my God, like I'm not doing enough or I'm not, you know, pleasing her. Mm. Um, like I felt that energy or something. Um, so that's really stressful. Also, like before then, like my dad's, even though he has no influence on me now, um, his approval was, you know, very yes. high. Like, and it was ridiculous because I could never reach his approval. Yikes. <laughs> uh, but like, he set it up that way. Everything, he would move the dial and he would be like, oh, you did that? You should have done this. Um, mm. So like I was running on that hamster wheel of trying to be, you know, the best child I could be for my parents. And I still feel like I'm a little bit on that hamster wheel. I'm mm. less like, okay, well, I got to do my own thing and I have to be happy. Like I'm getting more into that. But yeah. yeah, for, you know, the majority of my life, if not all my life, I do struggle with um trying to please my parents well and you said it was only just recently that like the last three weeks that you 
you've learned you're learning to let go of other people's expectations I mean um so that's basically an ongoing struggle then for you in that sense in terms of dealing with other people's expectations and doing what it is that you want to do beyond that is that normal or is that something different no that's true even like it was like when I quit my company um and banking I just felt kind of like I even felt there like oh like I don't know I felt there and again it could be me um but I just I looked up like a week or not a week ago but like a month ago or two months ago and I saw that my old boss who I hated um who kind of made my life a misery um miserable at the company um he just looked up my LinkedIn and I felt like they're like checking on me and mm. being like, what am I up to? And kind of like having this need for me to fail because I, you know, was like, fuck you guys and left. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I felt like there, there is a lot of like, oh, what is she up to kind of energy? And that, that was eating at me because it was mm. such a toxic environment that I was like, again, running on this hamster wheel of people pleasing. Yeah. Um, and I even felt like I had to please like show that I was doing so much stuff for my work. Job. But yeah, it's an ongoing struggle of, of people pleasing that I have. Well, I don't think it's just you. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, you know, you're often thinking about, you know, when you make different career choices or what it is that you're going to do and move forward in life, you're thinking, how is this person going to think about it and you're thinking well that person's not not living my life Mm. so why am I so concerned about what the other person's thinking um and the pressures that people have you know put on you but I guess when it comes to your parents and things like that it's also they've invested a lot Mm. in you your um themselves so there's this idea of like well this idea in your mind like oh you know am I you know is this pleasing to Mm. them in that sense but in regards to your work I do not like being on a LinkedIn (laughs) I feel like people are far too nosy I mean they are far too nosy on there like why is everyone gonna know all my business like (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you're good putting yourself on there and letting people see you but I'm like I'm I don't think I've updated my LinkedIn I think for two maybe even three years um and it's just static at the moment which is quite funny but I find it quite interesting because people come you know you get this reminder on LinkedIn saying this many people have looked at your page I'm like mm. why they're looking at my page yeah. <laughs> I have to go back onto there like what what is on there like what are they searching for this person obviously from your old job is you know being nosy like what's he doing on your page but I mean at least you know he's on there yeah. um, <laughs> But I mean, we already spoke about in White Fragility about the reality of the situation that you was in um, in your time in banking and moving away from that was a healthy decision for you. Um, yeah. I think so often we can stay within places because of other people's expectations, you know, thinking about what what is deemed okay in society, you know, because at a certain age, there's all these things attached to it. So good on you for moving towards a direction that aligns better for you. Um, and on that note, what are your core values and, and where do you see these values in your life? Um, so I was rethinking this the other day and I um, came to the conclusion I want, I like ease, flow, connection and comfort. Those are my core values um Mm. so connection is really important to me like I always want to be connected to people I am an extrovert even though I like spending a lot of time alone but like um I really get a lot of my energy from being around others and feeling like I'm helping them I mean my love Mm. language is that is acts of service so when I'm you know in service to people um not in servitude but um in service um I feel like I'm you know getting a lot of loving energy flow I'm starting to pull into flow because I've been super rigid and I'm super structure oriented person um very logical analytical um which helps with the whole law and banking but um I'm trying to flow into things Mm -hmm. and accept the unknown a little bit more and just go with the flow and not have everything so figured out because that's when magic can happen without, you know, having a rigid structure. 
Um, ease because I want an easy life. I don't want to work so hard that I'm like burning myself out. I felt like I was doing that when I was working in banking. Yeah. Um, and comfort because I like luxurious things and I want a lot of, you know, like I do want to make quite a bit in life <laughs> so that I can travel and do whatever I want. I mean, like I just want a life that's full of like comforting things, comforting house, like just a, you know, nice, nice life. Yeah. And does anything scare you within your, within your role or within your job? Um, cause we've spoken a bit about tarot science also. Can you tell us a bit more about your content side? Yeah. So I do content writing for startups, um, that are making impactful solutions. I'm in the process of rethinking my, um, ideal audience because I kind of want to focus on doing content writing for just people who have sort of a spiritual awareness. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about that. It does scare me a little bit because this is like the third or fourth iteration of my business, but that's how businesses go. But with that, um, what scares me is that having a business is, is one of the most scariest things. I don't think people talk about it enough that it is not something, unless you are lucky to the, you know, to the moon and the stars. But like for most people, the first year of your business is a lot of like chopping and changing, seeing what works, what doesn't, investing money, losing money. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you gain some money. Sometimes you lose it. Sometimes there's more jobs. Sometimes there's not like it is, it has taught me more that there needs to be a flow and not rigidity to Mm -hmm. my approach because it changes so much. Like now I feel like um, I'm feeling more aligned to just focus on startups in the spiritual wellness space. And that's different than when I started. Cause when I started, I was working for whoever would pay me or whoever <laughs> I could work for. Um, but I'm, I'm finding that's not healthy for me and mm-hmm. that's not actually where my business is aligning. Yeah. So I think it is scary. I mean, it's so like, it's so much fear. It's like, you feel like a failure half. I, I mean, for me, like, I feel like, Oh, I'm either failing or I'm like, if I'm gaining a client, I'm like, yes, I'm winning. And then <laughs> if I, if the client leaves or, you know, they don't need my work anymore, I'm like, I'm failing again. So yeah, that's probably the, the most, the, the worst part of it, I suppose. Well, definitely. I mean, if you if you attach those those uh, notions to it, actually, I mean, if you're if you get a client, you're winning, yeah. and if you're not, you're failing. No, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That that cannot be the case. I mean, um, you're winning in the sense that you're yeah. moving forward and going forward with what it is that you want to do in your life. And so many people spend the majority of their time doing something that they they don't actually want to be doing or doesn't align well with them and you know um no offense to anybody who's doing this who's living for retirement you know so they spent most of their life waiting for the final few years Mm. of their life to enjoy their life eventually so you've taken that risk to move from you know the comfort of of your banking environment which is very comfortable I mean in the sense of you know paycheck and security and all these kind of stuff um but not comfortable obviously in the sense of the environment that you was in um and within the the reality that you faced but I mean you moved away from that sort of security of a constant paycheck coming through to venture and do something that you wanted to do to do um and that is a risk, but it's also uh, a direction that you're taking for for yourself. But I mean, if you tie in not getting something yeah. as failing, then <laughs> it's not going to be a very nice uh, avenue for you. So I do hope that you that you detach that um, yeah. from, from, from your mindset. Um, on, the, on that point, I mean, do you think there is any habits or patterns that have helped you back in the past or is help holding you back at the moment? Yeah, I think it's my control issues. I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, <laughs> I have to have things safe and secure and, you know, going in alignment to what I want. I think in the last year, like everyone that has really broken down because we can't guess where we're going. Even mm. I would even say like um, it, 
goes into other aspects of my life. For example, when I moved to France, I um, was that when I look back on it now, I mean, that was only what, six months ago, less than six months ago. But um, when I look back on it now, I see how toxic that move was and how mm -hmm. toxic the environment that I cultivated in France. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say I didn't meet great people and it, it helped, but the way I moved, the people who I met were just sucking the life out of me. And it was because I was dealing with a lot of the control issues that I had, a lot of like the people pleasing that I had in my old job in banking. Mm. And that trickled into, you know, people pleasing in Paris. Um, and I still have that. Even yesterday, I caught myself um, like there was like a it wasn't a dispute, but it was like some weird energy that I got from someone. And I was just like, oh, like I was already in the mode of like, oh, I just make your life easier. My life's not easier, but your life, I'll make your life easier. And that's one thing that I need to watch for myself mm -hmm. because I'm so quick to jump into that. And that's not how I want to live my, or live my life anymore or live my business. It's nothing wrong with obviously being polite and nice or whatever, but making like other people more comfortable than you are in the moment. It's just, it's not the way I want to live my life. Um, and because of that, my work and constantly, like, especially running my own business, I can give more of my time and energy than someone's willing to pay me or willing to, you know, give back. And that's not good. <laughs> like, that's not good at all. I saw that yesterday. Like I, did something for someone or I had a reading for someone that went over time. And instead of being like, no, I'm done. You paid me for this time. I just kept going. And I was just, and I read, and I woke up this morning thinking about that. And I was like, no, this got, this has to stop. Stop yeah. people pleasing. It's if someone wants to pay you for longer, great. If someone doesn't, then cut it off. That's, you know, that's on them. Um, I did my service, you know, so that's one thing and the control and just trying to trust the unknown traverse of where my life is going, feel like I'm fully supported. I don't have to do everything on my own because mm -hmm. I tend to have the survival mode. And I think most black women do. They're just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it all well on my own. And then you burn <laughs> yourself out. And so <laughs> like, so I've been doing that as well. Like trying to do everything on my own instead of asking for help when I need help. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think especially during COVID, like we've had to let go of a lot of uh, control because a lot of things are just so different than our, our normal or what we're used to. But also as Black women, you're right, you know, being used to surviving, you know, being in survival mode and sorting things out for ourselves. Um, but on that note, I mean, why this podcast? Why this podcast navigation ship? Um, well... I think, I mean, I love speaking to you. I think we speak uh, quite regularly on a lot of the issues that we touch on in the podcast. Mm. Um, and I also think there needs to be more safe spaces for Black women um, to have these conversations and to hear these conversations. And yeah. I guess in my, as like a tarot reader, even a content writer, like my my content, I tell people, it's going to be about diversity and inclusion. My tarot is about helping people, not just, you know, it helping it also like helping people who have, you know, who are part of black and brown communities that might have this generational trauma need to work through, you know, their unconscious and why they have some of these behaviors or patterns that come out of generational trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my focus is in life is helping, you know, black people and brown people and all people really um, of all marginalized groups get through the trauma that we experience because I mm. too use spirituality as that so I relate to that yeah. so it's like this podcast really highlights some of the issues that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis and more black women need to have these spaces because we we are we're, we just don't talk to anybody else except who's in our group, our family. Yeah. And no one, is, I mean, like I think we've said before, 
we've had to grow up knowing white culture. Nobody had to grow up knowing our culture. And so we're sitting out here like being gaslit the whole fucking time. And we're just like, is it because of this or is it because we're black? Yeah. You know, and <laughs> when we talk to other black people, we're like, oh, it's because we're black. <laughs> like, yeah. And we need that because otherwise being gaslit all your life. I mean, we're gaslit pretty regularly, but can you imagine back in like the 80s, even the 90s, how they didn't have so- social media? They didn't have all of that. So it was like individual pockets of black people just being like, you know, did this just happen to me? Like, what is going on here? And that's, it makes you feel like you're going crazy. I remember mm. being at my job at, I won't say the company name, but like, I remember being at my job and being like, is it me or is it like, because I'm a bad worker or what is going on? Like, and then yeah. when I talk to you, when I talk to my family, when I talk to other black people, they're like, oh, it's because you're black. You need to <laughs> So, exactly exactly i think, so I think even your, your sister provided a comment um on one of our podcasts and she even said i hope you've left that place because yes it's because you're black even she validated the fact that it's not you're not crazy it's because you're black so without you know like this space opens that that um that communication up to other mm. black women to feel safe feel secure, feel held and supported and to acknowledge the fact you're not crazy. You're, yeah. you're fine. It's them. It's Definitely. not you, exactly. which is just great. And I think that's really important what you just said. Like, you know, so often we're going through experiences and we feel like, you know, am I going crazy? Am I losing my mind? And we go back and we, you know, we talk to that family member or mm. that friend. And I remember speaking to you and it's like, no, you're not crazy. <laughs> you're going through that because, you know, you're black, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing, there's no other way to really explain that. I mean, and the constant gaslighting, mm. I think both of us have experienced gaslighting in, uh, you know, with dudes and guys, but I mean, in other experiences mm. where, you know, you feel like, well, all the walls have been ticked, you know, in terms of your work environment or certain spaces, like they're following the rules, you know, um, mm. and everything seems like it's okay, but still, I'm still experiencing X, Y, Z or whatever. So having this safe space, uh, as you say, is really important for us. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. you touched on some really um, key things. So before we round up, I'm going to throw you some fire round questions, just a few of them. Uh, you have to answer it pretty quickly. That's the whole idea of them. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first one is, what is the hardest thing about doing a career change during the pan- pandemic? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty um, that was brought up in the pandemic. And so, yeah, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in a career change, especially one from, you know, such a structure to a creative one. So the uncertainty. What does success mean to you? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I struggle with this one because even though I've done a lot in my life, um, I still feel like I'm not successful, which is interesting. Mm. Um, I haven't reached the pinnacle of it and I think that's a very old way of being like that's a very like I don't know like almost capitalistic way because the whole point is not to like it's not to teach people to reach success the whole point is to teach people to keep working um until they retire um so they can pay tax you know so (laughs) um I don't know I think like I think success I think success is like is more of a state of mind like you feel successful you feel or you that resonates with you I don't know if I feel successful yet which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing Mm, interesting um and when do you feel most fulfilled when I'm doing what I'm what I love when I'm connecting with people when I'm providing value to people and when they're providing value uh back to me and where can people go to get to know more about the work that you do? So if you would like content writing, um, any sort of help engaging your audience, um, whether that's through blogs, articles, your website, 
um, social media, um, then you can go to my website at thoughtfulthorough.com. And then if you want a tarot reading um, and you want to book with me, you can go to thoughtfulthoroughtarot.com. Um, and if you're in the Tulum area, we can have an in-person reading. But if you're obviously somewhere else in the world, you can we can do it on online. Thanks for all that info. Um, I think that's all we have for time for today. Um, but before we go to our checkout, um, shall we share any comments on the feedback we've had so far? Do you have anything on your side? Yeah, so I would love to share some feedback actually um, from your sister. <laughs> um, I'm not going to read everything she says. I'm just going to paraphrase it. So she gave really good feedback on um, one of our last episodes where she talks about, um, I think I spoke about my work mm. and she was saying that, um, you, you know, you need to get out of there. <laughs> the they're only reason that they care about, you know, your mental health is because it's become a liability to, mm. to them. And that was so true. I mean, like she hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, and I did tell her back that I have quit my job. Um, and then she was talking about the George Floyd um, murder and how white people have just, it's not like this is the first time this has ever happened before mm. where a black man was unlawfully killed by a white cop. But she was saying how, um, you know, it was the first time white people sort of woke up. The majority of white people were like, oh, actually, you know, we do have a race problem, which is so interesting. Um, so I really love that feedback from her because it was so true, it's so truthful. And that's why we need more feedback and more engagement and more connect and more connection because we're all probably thinking the same things, but if we're keeping it isolation, then we might be eaten away by those thoughts. Mm. Um, or we might think, oh, we're crazy. Like, exactly. like um, I was telling you earlier today where um, I was at an event today and a, and a white girl was like, oh, um, I wrote this poem when I fell in love with my black boyfriend during when America was divided. First of all, <laughs> that wasn't the first time America was divided when George Floyd died and there was a bunch of protests. America was divided you know, multiple times, particularly they had a civil war in, you know, 1860. So it's like the way <laughs> she was making it seem was very like, you know, and if I, if I didn't talk to any black people and I just listened to her, I would think, oh, America was, this is the first time America was divided, you know, and she's so <laughs> woke because she fell in love with a black man. Yeah. But because I would talk to you about how crazy she sounded. I was like, oh, you think she sounds me too? great you know? <laughs> she sounds so, ridiculous um yes. <laughs> i mean and also very much touched on a lot of the stuff that we spoke about in white fragility about centering herself within like within the whole obviously people center herself within a discussion but she was using you know such a tragic incident to be like well now I have a black boyfriend. Look how great I am because I'm white with a black boyfriend, which is like, what are yeah. you talking about? And through and through yeah. having a black boyfriend, and I, I can now I can now bridge this massive divide that's happening in my country. What? So um, yeah, I just thought that was completely yeah. shocking. Yeah, um, it was like it was a bit like it was a bit like the Pepsi commercial with uh, Kendall. I think one of the Jenners oh, yeah. being like, oh, I ended uh, social injustice with a Coke can. It was a bit like that. But again, like if your sister had not co-signed on the fact that, oh, white people just start working, waking up when George Floyd, Floyd was murdered, but that obviously was not the first time a black man was unlawfully murdered. And if I had not told you that story of the incident that happened last night, we'd all be living in isolation with these thoughts in our mind exactly. thinking are we when the when the world is is set up to be nuts uh, <laughs> or exactly. to be crazy to us um so yeah it's really i'm really appreciative of the feedback that we got mm. um hopefully we can get some more comments so that we can all share in this space 
and yeah. feel supported and safe and held together. Yeah. And also there was something else that came through following on from the Consciously Black episode. Um, I was reminded because I didn't I didn't mention it and you know my memory is selective (laughs) but I was reminded that um (laughs) that there was a very clear divide uh during my childhood between Caribbean being Caribbean and uh coming from um the continent of Africa being African um and it was very much more cool to be Caribbean we find points of which to divide to split and divide ourselves um but it was a very interesting point uh that um a listener made um about that reality in in the uk yeah i don't think we've uh had that same sort of divide and i mean we've had a, have a divide against africans and african-americans in, in america um and yeah i didn't even sort of register that as like another added layer to what it means to be black and what it means to be conscious because i'm not i'm not african so <laughs> i don't I don't know what they feel, but um, it does include like another layer to the whole what it means to be Black that I think when we look outside of ourselves in the diaspora, it could mean so many different things to so many different people. And Mm -hmm. it's such a evolving identity. Yeah. So definitely keep coming in with your questions, with your feedback um i know that um there was some uh, recommendations in terms of what sort of stuff that, that we can speak about so they've been taken on board um and we really appreciate what it is that you have to say and also both of us within these two episodes this one now and the one coming up are speaking about the spaces in which we navigate and we'd love to hear about the spaces that you navigate yourselves in terms of how are you finding that you know what what do you enjoy what what frustrates you um yeah we would love to hear if anything that we share resonates with you definitely get in touch um but on that note let's check out how did you find today Ashley sharing and being on the center (laughs) (laughs) yeah I found it interesting I mean like I don't think enough black people um talk about the wellness space um and how exclusive it can be at times um here the wellness space from this love and light you know Mm. very whitewashed mentality um and so people don't hear the other side to it and if there's no awareness then there can be no change so hopefully you know this perpetuates some at least some discussion um as to how the wellness space can be a bit different, can open up. And hopefully it, it, it brings a bit of awareness to marginal groups, particularly black women to say, yeah, I've always wanted to go to that, you know, meditation class, but I've never found it inclusive for me to actually say that there is other um, opinions in the wellness space um, and definitely go seek out people who align um, to your, your experiences. Um, they're out there for sure. There's black healers, there's brown healers that um, may be able to resonate with you. So definitely go out there and experience that because everybody needs uh, everybody needs the opportunity to get healthy. So yeah. hopefully more black women are like, hmm, the wellness space doesn't always, you know, maybe I can be included in the wellness space. Um for me yeah I found it very interesting I mean I found I found I am out a lot about you Ashley (laughs) so that was good for me um but you know on a you know on a more deeper note um I think that you touched on a lot of different things um that was very interesting for me from my perspective I mean I've never I've never come to know anything to do with tarot outside of what's been told to me in movies or TVs, which is very negative. Um, but also spiritual, spirituality, wellness, hard to navigate within that space and be like, oh, I, you know, I really want to, you know, meditate and de-stress because it's been a very stressful time um, during COVID, but stressful life as a Black woman as is. So, <laughs> you know, going to these spaces should be, yeah. should be, you know, relieving for us. And sometimes it just makes it even more frustrating because you're there and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, um, this hasn't helped me at all. <laughs> this, 
this hasn't been beneficial it yeah. just makes me yeah, feel exactly. like it makes me feel like nothing's gonna help sometimes so um it's been really nice to have this conversation to have you as a black woman within this space and actually share share your perspective and your viewpoint um and I think it's really important in terms of you self-define what what it, what these things mean to you because so often things have been defined for us and often as you point pointed a lot of things have been whitewashed so I found today's discussion yeah really interesting really nice and I really hope other people uh, really connect with it and um, I think especially the point that you made about expectations and I think we all have a number of expectations upon us um, and sometimes obviously the ones that come from family and and friends you know those who hopefully if it depends on what sort of family you have have you know good hopes for you um can sometimes be quite high um but also as black women we have sort of things put on us that um can make us be assumed that we're only going to pursue certain things or should stay at a certain level within within a job and you know dealing with you know letting go of of those negative um things that have been put on us as well so we touched on many different things um so that was exciting thank you for sharing and i guess um anything else anything else to share on that note no i think that's all um like stephanie was saying if you have you know it's not just about us it's about you as well we want to hear your feedback the industry that you've gone in and your experiences and even if you made some job changes in the last year, um, you know, do share that with us and get in touch with us um, either by email or by Instagram um, or through our website, um, which goes directly to our email. But um, definitely share experiences with your industry and also just your core beliefs and what you feel about us. Um, we'd love to hear that as well. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and do not represent or are connected to any persons, institutions, organizations, or companies unless explicitly stated.